2: I'm great, Val. Super excited about today's episode, The Art of Storytelling with Nat Geo photographer Amy Vitale, who is an absolute legend. So I had a great time chatting to her. Can't wait to share that uh, episode with you today. Yes, I'm great. It's a beautiful day in Melbourne Mm. and uh, it's just there's a real uh, buzz about the city. It's like we're back. We had our – and I did – I've had a couple of people write to me and say that I mentioned in last week's episode that we were uh, in lockdown for nine weeks. It was actually like 15 weeks. So, mm. you know, it was like, I think I've just blocked it from my mind. Yeah. But so happy to be able to see people out and about in cafes, you know, in the shopping and all the everything's open. There's a real buzz. And of course, uh, summer it's like when summer yeah. arrives in Melbourne it's just like it'll be freezing cold and then it's like winter goes that's it I'm out of here see ya and then summer arrives and it's just like it's hot mm. and it's like oh you got to rethink everything rethink mm. your wardrobe you know it's uh, it's cool so life's good Val
1: yeah and I think the 15 weeks were obviously worth worth it because I at the time that we're recording this you've had your 16th Donut Day, which is 16 which, days of no, no infections, no inf- no transmissions, no COVID mm. tran- uh, transmissions. Yeah. Um no new cases by community transmission, so that's incredible.
2: I think we're a 5, five million in the state of Victoria and there is I think maybe Two active cases in the entire state, maybe that might yeah. be nothing now. But I think last time I checked, two active cases. So yeah. I think you know, uh, I'm uh, we've done a great job, and yeah. uh, life well is so much better that when you can get out and you don't feel the icks, no when you concerns, go out. yeah, no it's concerns. Great. It's lovely. What's must be like life for you up there in Sydney? It's been like that all along, Val.
1: Yeah, it's been you know, um. It's pretty much been like that. It's pretty much normal life uh, at the moment. And certainly in my area, you walk around and it's pretty much normal life. So it's um, great, actually. Mm. Very lucky. Very, very lucky. And we can get out and about and start doing things. Well, we already have in Sydney. Um, I need to actually get out and about more and stop thinking. That uh, I need to hopefully say, I'll be up
2: there soon, Val. I'm planning yes. to try and get up there soon. So Fantastic. fingers crossed. And otherwise you're coming down. Oh, we might Excellent. see each other twice uh, in the same month, which would be great.
1: I know. Make I know. up for all the lost time. Might be some alcohol involved. All There'll right. There'll
2: definitely be alcohol involved. Don't you worry about that.
1: We have a shout out. And who's the shout out? Uh, about Gina,
2: chat uh, out to. Okay, it. so this is a, a letter that I received. You can see if you go down to the bottom, you can see that uh, so he's this he's is from it.
1: Helga Schmicky, Helga Hel- Hel- Schmilki, yeah. Schmicky, Sh- Schmickle, yep. Helga Schmickle, who yeah. kindly um, wrote in, hopefully I've spelt it properly. Do you mean
2: recorder? Recorder, yeah. He sent me the oh. code recorder and we've got quite a few people that listen to, to our gibberish to the end of the show <laughs>
1: last Isn't week. Isn't Helga a woman? No, man. Oh, man, he pointed okay. that out
2: in the email, yes.
1: All right. So Helga so, so said... So it could be Helg. Yes. So last episode we said anyone who was listening by the end, we have code word recorder to let us know in the Facebook group to see whether you got onto our, you know... Crazy talk at the end of the uh, at the end of the episode. And of course, if you're not in the Facebook group, it's free to join. We'd love to have you in there. Just search for So you want to be a Photographer Podcast Community on Facebook and request to join. It's um an awesome group of people from all over the world listeners from all over the world so helga said um hope i've spelled it properly as in recorder what do you think i'm of course of course i'm listening to all of your podcast episodes till their entire end (laughs) your private discussions with valerie i enjoy very much not to say the most especially the sense of humor since life itself and these times are hard and struggling enough i'm a listener from austria no we don't have kangaroos here (laughs) (laughs) Yes, so you get it too in Austria. Yes, we get mixed up as well. People mix us up if we're from Australia. I have to figure out how to circumvent the country-specific lock of iTunes to rate your podcast and write a comment. If not doing so, my review will only be shown in Austria, nowhere else. Thus, This doesn't make any sense. (laughs) By the way, I don't know how to spell it, but kaka, you know, Gina's favourite word, kaka, uh, is in German. Is baby talk for the brown content if the nappy is full, so every <laughs> so every German-speaking person understands what it means if you say "kaka light" or "this is kaka." <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thanks a lot for your great show and tons of useful information. Both of you stay healthy. Best regards, Helga Schmickel. I yeah, love that. Thank you, thank you so Helga. much.
2: See, I speak uh, many languages. Well, German. German, fluent in yes. I can Talk about uh, doo-doo in in three <laughs> different languages. I can say it in German, Italian, and Australian, you know. And it yes, did means... you know that kaka was German? Didn't know. So it's uh, right. K-A-K-A, the German spelling. I think mm. my spelling is C A C. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, Ka- or I shorten it. The Australian version is kak. Yeah. Oh yes.
1: That's true. Yeah. You got some cack in
2: your eye. Yeah. That's the that's the Australian version of Kaka. Uh, yes. But it's I can universal. speak German. Yeah. Well. Okay. Go
1: for it, Val. Ich bin Frau Seitz. Ich gehe zum Becker und kaufe Brot in Brötchen. Ich spiele Fußball. Das Frühstück ist fertig in Zimmer. Amazing. <laughs> like that,
2: you had the accent and everything. What
1: did you just say? Ich, ich Milch, Milch und Schu- Zucker und Marmalade. So you're
2: talking about ordering something with milk and sugar and marmalade? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's brilliant. You, like, it, there, are, there are people, I think, that just get languages. I think you're one of them. I think, like... <laughs> (laughs) When I post anything in Italian, you'll write to me and go, you didn't get the, that's wrong. You didn't conjugate that correctly. (laughs) That's right. I'm like, what are you talking about? My Italian got to grade four level. That's as far as I go. So whenever I'm with my uh, cousins who are all university educated Italians, that I know that they dumb their Italian down because they, when they, they throw in big words, I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. You've got to dumb it down for me. But you just like grab those languages so quickly Val <laughs> um,
1: Very uh, they're great fun but let's move on to this week's guest Amy Vitale uh, what do you what can you tell us about Amy
2: so Amy is an absolute legend she's a Nikon ambassador and a national Geographic magazine photographer and she's been Amazing. to like. Over 100 countries and she has photographed uh, war and conflict and also uh, capturing the, you know, human stories around the world and she's lived in mud huts, war zones, she's had malaria, she's worn a panda suit, (laughs) she's cuddled baby pandas, and, oh. um, you know, she lives her story and she's her work has been featured in magazines and TED Talks. Uh, she's got very famously known, and we didn't talk about this in this episode, but, like, I encourage you before you listen to this episode go and do some research, check out her work, and then after you've listened to the episode, go and listen to her TED Talks and also to uh, any other interviews that she's done because I want you to hear about uh, the rhino story where she photographed uh, the last living white rhino. She, she, She doesn't just talk about stuff. She goes out and gets things done, and this is why I reached out to her because we all think, well, what can one person do, you know, to change the world? We can do a lot, and so yeah. you know, Amy is proof of that. And I know there is a lot of uh, animal lovers in the in who listen to this podcast, and it's like we we with our camera can shine a light in the areas and uh, elevate causes. That's what we can do. That's our gift uh, to mm. the world. And so mm. this is what I wanted to talk to Amy about, and also um, she's just. Uh, brilliant in terms of because she's had so much experience and actually was originally a photo editor started as a photo editor so it's great to talk to someone who really understands what is involved in commissioning a photographer for a gig so uh, we, we talked about uh, all the lessons she learned from being a photo editor There is, and this is something that you will need to take notes because when she, Amy explains the five things to think about when you're telling a visual story, this is absolute gold, this info. It will stay with you for the rest of your life. And I don't care if you're a documentary photographer or a commercial photographer, these five tips are brilliant. And she breaks it down in 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 such an easy to understand way and easy to remember. She also shares how to pitch your story to a magazine editor. Now, know that the mm. story that she's most famous for, so the 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 save trying to the 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 last of the white rhinos, she pitched that so many times to different editors and it was knocked back and it was just like change and we talk about this in depth changing the way you think and you approach a photo editor made all the difference in the world and then Mm. from there she was off and racing so and also we touch on something that's uh very close to all our hearts about you know photographers uh shooting for free and we talk about you know Mm. why that is not a good idea and she also shares tips on pricing your images and of course the importance of giving back shall we have a listen
1: Absolutely. Here
2: we go. Amy Vitali. Amy Vitali, welcome to the show. How are you? <laughs> Hi. It is so wonderful to be connected with you. I'm doing good. Thank uh, you. I'm super excited to chat with you today. Before we start, a question I always ask my guests is where in the world are you?
3: I am in the middle of snowy Montana. We just got about 10 inches more of snow last night.
2: Wow. it sounds, it's, That's such a beautiful part of the world. You're very lucky at how gorgeous. And like, first question I want to ask you is, tell me about what it is about an image that stops you in your tracks.
3: Oh, that is such a personal, what a wonderful question. And I think it's very personal and different for everybody. Mm. But for me, I think an image needs to okay, actually, let me think about this more deeply. It depends what the image is for. Mm. So if I have an image on my wall, I think that there needs to be, it needs to be beautiful. Mm. It needs to also have some kind of, um, inherent message in it. It Mm. needs to tell a story. And, and so I think that, Images should be beautiful for, you know, when you're thinking about art, but story is also really relevant and important to me. And then I would say that images, you know, and, and can be used in so many ways. And, and probably that same line of thinking would go, even if, you know, wherever I see the image, that story really matters to me.
2: Mm-hmm. You uh, you are a gifted storyteller, and that I think you did a um, you studied journalism, and then you became a photo editor. Is that right?
3: That's that is correct. Yes. Yeah. So,
2: what lessons did you learn from being a photo editor about the art of storytelling?
3: Mm. Well, I learned a lot. I learned also kind of the. The flaws of really, you know, the, in the day and age of 24-hour media, mm. I learned a lot watching that. I think that the takeaway for me was that sometimes we are just reacting to news. Mm-hmm. And I, I honestly, after being an editor first and then going and being a journalist in the field... I do not watch television news anymore, and I am very careful about how I consume news because I think it can, it can be really reactive and, in a way, focusing on the more sensational aspects of any particular event without giving you context and going deeper into a story and even though it's true, it's not a lie, whatever that one kind of event that you may be seeing, it doesn't help you understand the why and create any kind of understanding. And I worried about this, I will say, when I began 20 years ago, I was I was writing essays talking about this saying, I think that this way of telling stories is just polarizing people more and more. And I actually see that things have changed so much in 20 years, but the truth is we're very often consuming and as storytellers telling news in this very sensationalistic way. And all that's happened is that people have been separated into their own bubbles and they consume news from, you know, either whatever platform that they um, have the same belief system. And I just think we need to do a much better job going forward of going deeper and taking time to tell stories. And even as the viewers, maybe it's up to us to spend more time investigating and reading more in depth about any particular issue that we're, you know, making decisions about.
2: Yeah, I think that the the whole news cycle has just gotten so much faster. You know, like 20 years ago, you could um, spend uh, a lot. A, I guess you had the opportunities working for Nat Geo and other magazines where they would uh, send you off somewhere and give you the luxury of um, a couple of weeks or a couple of months to research a story and go deep. But is that still the case or is it a lot, you know, fly in, fly out scenarios?
3: Yeah. Um, Interesting question. I would say it is changing more and more. I think for a lot of us currently, the photographers and, and journalists working for National Geographic, they tap into existing bodies of work on issues that we are already deeply invested in as individuals and have spent years and years on. And then Um, kind of publish these, these stories that are not just, you know, we're flying in for two weeks to tell a story. Basically, they've done the research to find people who have already spent so much time and investment, but they also do invest in, you know, they have fellowships and different ways to help us to spend more time on stories. And they still do try to give us as much time as possible. But that is changing more and more. I mean, it's just the people are not used to paying for content anymore. Mm. And that means that the budgets are shrinking and it's very hard to you know most of us are finding ways to um fund these projects on our own and then we use these platforms like national geographic to make sure that it reaches the audiences that we want to reach
2: yeah that's that's um you're very lucky to have that opportunity to do that. So you, you talk about um, uh, doing pitches for uh, certain magazines and pitching stories, and there is a real art to that. And I know that there was uh, the one major pitch that you did about the, uh, the, the, the extinction of the Northern White Rhino. You got knocked back several times. You did a pitch, you thought it was a great story. Um, can you talk about that a little bit and how you managed to turn that around and eventually convince mm-hmm. these editors that this was a, a good idea because it's like you know we as photographers can see like I, I, I've I, seen the blank expressions when I'm trying to explain an, a, a, an idea to someone okay so we're going to do this 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 and this and you can see that like they don't get it where I can see it clearly in my head and that must be yes! frustrating it's like it's yes! so obvious <laughs> it's like he'll be there that person will be there can you can just see this is a double page spread look at that and then this and this and this and they're like nah that we don't get it you know so how do you work around that and how do you present how what have you learned um in your years about like how to do a successful pitch and get that across the line so that people are going to go yeah go do it we love that idea we can see it
3: oh that is such an excellent question because that is the most important I think for all of us, this is the most important thing to remember. You just said it. The editors, the people we're pitching to cannot imagine what you're going to see, what you're going to document and bring back to them. So I'll just give kind of like three top things about writing pitches. The first thing is be respectful of the people's time that you're pitching to. If you write a novel, and send it to them. I promise you they will never even open it up. Short and sweet and to the point is going to get you so much farther. And so, listen, if the grant or whatever it is that you're writing or if it's a cold pitch says, you know, no more than 2,000 words, you know what? You don't have to fill up the 2,000 word thing. I mean, when I am cold pitching people, I just write a short paragraph And even I think about the subject line in an email, don't write like, you know, uh, some long, you know, conservations, best practices, like (laughs) something that's going to put you to sleep. You know, that is not the way to get somebody to open your email. Make it short and snappy, interesting, witty, quirky, whatever it may be. Make the title... Something that is going to make them first want to open up the email. Then the next thing is do not attach a bunch of pictures or proposals and 10 pages of documents. Write a paragraph telling them the highlights. Like, is this interesting? And here are the questions you need to address. Why now? What's the urgency about this? And why should anyone else in the world care about it? Why does it matter you know, so I think there's a lot of stories that might be a great little kind of portrait or local sort of story, but you have to also then ground it into a greater issue that impacts every human being on the planet. Right. And if you can do that, you can capture your editor's eye for a moment, then you have their attention. They'll usually write back and ask to see more and be ready, have your pitch ready in a longer format, you know, then the next thing that you just mentioned when you talked about is you have to visualize it for them. Mm -hmm. Like you're writing out what you're going to see. If you have pictures, that's even better. Just attach small thumbnails or have a link that goes to your website with a gallery on that specific story. But, you know, you need to be really professional, organized, and and definitely I just can't emphasize more these few points. Shorter is better better. Everybody is so overwhelmed. They are getting, you know, at least a hundred pitches a day from people at the big magazines. Right. They can't even read through them. And then secondly, why now the urgency of this? And then thirdly, why should it matter to anybody other than you? Fantastic and you're, Yeah.
2: That's great advice. And um, also, when you're doing these stories, so if you're doing one of these fly in, fly out, and you've got a create that story and you know you've only got a few days how are you researching and how it could because the, the stories that you shoot you really go very personal you're not necessarily doing the big pictures you know you, you're finding individuals to tell that um unique um th- th- that, that the human quality of that story how are you doing the research before you go, and how when you've got a limited amount of time, what techniques are you using to um, connect with your subject? Is it a matter of playing the long game, or do you have a way that you like embed yourself into a community? And um, you know, what do you do? What's your technique?
3: That's really a good question too. I mean, the first thing is yes, you have to read everything that you possibly can. And, um, you know, if it's a local story, read all the news locally. If it's a story that is not in your backyard, then read the local media to that particular place. Um, If you need Google Translate, translate some of it if it's a different language. But know how people locally are seeing this issue because very often what happens is a story you may read about it in an international newspaper, and um, and the locals may see it very differently than that foreign correspondent. So don't rehash what has already been written. You know, come in with your own unique perspective and look for a different angle. The thing I like to do is take stories that we think we already know, turn them on their head and surprise people. Find something unique about it. I mean. I think about with so many of my stories, I'll take pandas, for example, like who hasn't seen a story or picture of a panda bear? Everybody on the planet, they're probably the most well-known animal. Mm. You know, they're like the ambassador for China and everybody knows about them. So how do you take a story that's been so covered and known and find something unique? And I literally read so much that had been written from books, to news stories to um, you know reaching out to people and making calls to find out like the the getting the pulse on the ground um, local journalists for example, but just doing all your research, I felt like I was literally thinking like a panda bear after all the material because it's just like you know everything from science books to to um, conservation to you know um, um, just like the history of the panda and how they were discovered to humanity. And you start uncovering so much material that has never been told in one place. And you realize like, oh, hey, there's a new way to tell a very, you know, well-told story. And I think that that is the same about almost everything
2: fantastic and there is like there is a um a, pati- a particular way to tell a story that i mean I-, I think a lot of photographers starting out don't know how to create a collection of images that actually flow together on the page they're not thinking about um the actual end result they're thinking about these beautiful images but then they might not um Well, flow together. together. Yeah, they don't work together. So I've heard you uh, talk about, and I think this is a fantastic advice, that for... um, photographers to become good storytellers they should learn how to film because when you're filming you can't just jump from one scene to the other there needs to be a transition and so can you can you talk about a little bit about that 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 learning how to uh tell story in images and making turning it into a spread rather than just that one hero image
3: Yeah. And I would say it's like if you think about it in in the context of watching a film, Mm. a great film, or even reading a good book, kind of study the different elements and you realize they all have certain elements. They all have them. So for example, opening scene, setting the scene. Where are we? That's the where. Yeah. Where are we? So you've got to have some kind of epic opening picture that is going to grab people and make them want to go in more deeply to your story. So that's the where. And that's the very first image. And I literally will bring a little list with me. So write this down if you're, if you're listening to this. The, here are the elements. And I will have my little list in the field. And if I still don't have a great opening image, I will work and work and work really thinking about how do I tell, you know, set the scene for this opener. Then the next thing is, you know, and they don't have to be in this specific order that I'm going to go into all the rest of the pictures, but the opening picture is the first one. The next picture, or, you know, you can mix these around, would be at some point you want the who. Who is this story about? Is it a panda bear? Is it, you know, your president? Is it your neighbor? You want a beautiful portrait And it doesn't have to be a tight portrait. It can be an an environmental portrait that gives a sense of place as well. But you want to introduce who the people are in the story. So that's another element. Um, You also then in, you know, any book or, or great film, you get the tension of the story, the conflict. Why is anybody interested in this? And it can be, you know, quirky it can be um controversial but there's always some kind of tension um why are we watching or reading this book um so the tension of the story needs to come out in one image and um and that's kind of the what and then um then you also want to get detail shots you know those those there's so, if you watch films again, like they describe in such detail, um, what is going on and it can be, you know, the cracks in the soil mm. illustrating climate change or the, you know, the old weathered hands yeah. describing somebody's, you know, how long they've been on the earth that illustrate a greater truth. Yeah. And so the detail shots are important. Um, and it's just giving visual variety because you can't have all of one thing. You know, you can't have all just great landscapes or all great portraits or just details. Like you need a variety and you need to, you know, as, as you're photographing these, consider different lenses, consider different angles. Make sure that you're not shooting everything from exactly the same angle, like standing up with the same focal length and not really moving give people variety stand up on things look at things from above look at things from the ground lay down on the ground as you're shooting like this different not shooting photographing yeah um you know just just ways of of photographing will create different feels and then um and then humor i like you know after you've given the tension and the detail and the portraits i there's people are like I need a little break, a visual break. So I, if it's possible, I like inserting, you know, humanity and the, you know, just worth f- the, the, the humility of being human. Yeah. And, and sometimes that can actually be really sweet and funny. It doesn't have to all be gore and sensational and violence, even though that is sometimes a part of stories, if that is all you show, it's like, where's the light? And honestly, in every single story that I've told and covered, there is always hope and resilience. And I think it's very important to show that in your story too. You know, it's a nice way to give people a way to breathe and want to keep going with your story.
2: Yes, I'm and not. Then finally, I'm,
3: oh, sorry. Go ahead.
2: No, go ahead. I'm nodding enthusiastically as you say all of this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
3: and that's a really important aspect. I think, like we all get very passionate about whatever it is we're telling, but we have to remember um, remember how resilient and 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 the universal truth that exist in all of us and then finally i would say a closing image that is also very important i i think a good way to have a closing image you know if you can't find anything else maybe it's like the sunset picture or the end of the day or you know somebody closing the door um or looking through a window. I mean, there's just different ways that kind of symbolize this is the end of this story. You that's now...
2: fantastic.
3: Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. So I that's...
2: love that. That's a great list. I think everyone should carry that in their, in their pocket and just really, at this, this does not just apply to shooting documentary, but this applies to commercial images. You can do this as a wedding photographer. You can do this as a lifestyle photographer. You can do this as After- a family portrait photographer creating these stories and then you know then you're you've got this uh whole uh array of images that you can sell as a story rather than one single image that doesn't really you know say enough so that's uh fantastic one thing i've noticed about you amy in in your images is and and i think like um what i like to think of is that um what we focus on expands so if you you know you're always looking for the bad in people you're only ever going to be seeing the bad and i also believe that you attract what you are and so you um i see uh there's a, there, there is a beautiful childlike sense of wonder in you in the way that you um go about your life and present your images has that always been the case and um you know how important is the energy that you bring to a shoot in in to, to draw out the good in people
3: Oh, my gosh, that is such a wonderful comment. Thank you. I really appreciate <laughs> that. But I truly believe in the wonder of the world. Yeah, and it's do. there. And just just as you said, like if you seek out the horrors of the world, they're there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we can't deny that. And I don't think that it's that you ignore that. But let's also, by doing that, not shut out all the The, I mean, I could cry when I think about the people I meet Mm. on this wonderful journey, like that I have met on this wonderful journey. They inspire me to keep going. They remind me of the best of humanity. They are the people that against all odds believe in the best and are fighting for the best. Um, And I just think that it's so easy to just Turn on your social media and the news and believe that the world is doomed. But you know, when you actually get out there and engage with others in a really meaningful way, we all, for the most part, you know, I believe that there is hope to coexist and all get along because we are all just being manipulated to see the worst in one another at some points. And, and the truth is, if you get out and talk to people, you realize we have so much more in common than we do that separates us. And yeah. that is my life's motto. I just, I understand that. I understand that sometimes I go in the past, I've gone gone with the story already pre-written before I even set foot into the place that I'm going it was like in my head, I I sort of imagined what it would be, and then I got there, and I I was like, that was so wrong. I need to just be open to hearing what is sto- the story really, and um and can I reframe the narrative a little bit? Beautiful,
2: yeah. I love that. I love that sense of joy and hope in your images, and and often you are talking about you know. Um, some very um, troubling and and dark stories but the way you tell the story is from a place of joy and I think that's beautiful and I think we need more of that in the world now I want to turn to uh, a little bit of business because I think you give the best advice on business now there's there's a trend happening with photographers in the world that's been going on for a while and I think uh social media has a lot to do with this where um, young photographers starting out uh shooting a lot for free and then they can't get out of that free zone um what are your thoughts on that
3: yeah I think that um do not do that because it's not even just about you but it's actually eroding the market so much that you will never be able to have a sustainable livelihood if um, if we all do this all the time. I think that, you know, there's that. There's the giving out of images. And you would be surprised how um, very often if you just push it back and say, thank you so much for your interest in my image, but you're going to have to license it. Mm. Very often, if if they want it, they they will pay for it. And yeah. if you want a idea of how to figure out how much to price it for, don't just think like, oh, I need $50 for dinner tonight. No, go and look online. There's resources for you to actually find out how much your picture is worth. And so I always go back to whoever is interested and I say, thank you where would you like to publish this image? Is it digital or print? Is it commercial use or editorial? Is, that means, is it gonna be for like a journalistic story or are you gonna be selling it to promote some kind of product? Is it for an exhibit? Like You have to ask them all these questions and if they are going to be publishing it for, let's just say, commercially, where, for how long, how big? You know, all these questions and, and honestly go to some of the agency websites like Giddy Images. I actually use Photo Shelter. It has a great resource on it. You can actually get a free trial to Photo Shelter, which is a whole other thing. But um, it embedded in there, um, in there, they have it's a place where you can have like store your online archive and they have website templates. And they also have this thing called photo quote built into it. And um, photo quote helps me gauge how much my pictures are worth. And then the second piece of this question is also very important. Once you are selling your images, once you have a body of work that is valuable, say you get a contract, don't just sign it. You know, we are not lawyers. But it's very important that you invest in an hour of a lawyer's time and get them to explain to you what that contract says. And it's very important to start understanding the language so you're not giving up your rights in perpetuity forever to some client for, you know, pennies. Don't do it. Learn the language Invest in that, invest in yourself because it will benefit you again over time. And then the second part I would say is never be afraid to push back. And you, if you do it in a nice, you know, professional way, you can get so much farther and say, you know, um, here's, thank you so much for this contract. This is what my lawyer is recommending. We, um, how we rewrite it and you negotiate with them and you negotiate better terms so you're not giving up all your rights right away. We all need to educate ourselves to be able to, you know, create a better business for all of us.
2: That's fantastic advice. If we don't respect ourselves, no one else is going to respect us. So you've got to, you know, stand up and and do those things. One thing that I love that you do is uh, if you photographed someone out in in the field, uh, you know, as as part of documenting a story and that sells as a commercial image, you give a portion back to that person. Is that right?
3: Yes, when I can. And that's why I get model releases because Mm -hmm. um, it's actually a good way. That has happened in the past where somebody asked about a picture like years after I had taken it. But in the model release, I got their phone number and address and I was able to go back and pay them for, um, you know, or I demanded on behalf of them, um, that the client pay them to, um, to use that image. So that's happened. And, um, yeah, I also do a ton of fundraisers. And so if I can't give back to an individual and maybe that would be divisive to give to one person when I've been working in a community, I find ways to give back to the whole community. Community so everybody living there can benefit. And um, I spend much of my time in life, give you know, really thinking about um, how we can lift one. I mean, I don't want to sound too cliche here, but we actually need to. You know, photography can be terribly exploitative Mm. and it can also be wonderfully amplifying and empowering. And it's your choice how you choose to use it. And I felt deeply uncomfortable with so much of the way the business worked when I was starting out and actually, frankly, how it still is today, that the only way I could make peace with it all was to figure out different ways To have a very positive impact in the communities I'm working in to um, make sure that, that whatever benefits I'm receiving get also passed on to the people whose stories I'm telling. That's fantastic. And then
2: you've also got several great initiatives. But um, the one that uh, the, the reason I reached out to you was I saw um, a, a tweet that you did about your prints for nature. Um, and I think this is an amazing uh, initiative. Can you just share, just quickly, a little bit about that? And then um, any ideas for how the individual photographer starting out, what can we do as individuals
3: to um, help the cause? Oh, great questions. Okay. First, I'll start out. Thank you. I'm so excited. I am so grateful. I reached out to it's now 89 of just some extraordinary photographers. Many of them are my friends from national geographic people that you may know of like Jimmy Chin, who's an Academy award winning filmmaker and photographer. He made that film that has gone viral called free solo. He he's a part of it. You've got incredible fine art photographers like Beverly Jobert, um, you know some of the names you'll know many you may not know but it's just it is extraordinary talent and these photographers many of them sell these prints for thousands of dollars in galleries and they donated for this print initiative I'm donating all 100% of it is going back into conservation, and will go into the core initiatives of Conservation International. They support um, like almost 30% of their fundraising goes right back into grassroots organizations in the field, on the ground, you know, making important change. Um, protecting landscapes, people, communities, and wildlife. I know this is very long-winded, but go to www.princefornature.com. And I mean, the images themselves will blow you away. They're $250 for an 11 by, I think it's 16, 11 by 16 image. And um, they're just breathtaking. And it's just a great opportunity to collect Really inspiring work, and know that you're giving back and yeah, that's just one of the initiatives I'm working on right now, and we hope it's a great christmas gift and yeah great kind of a Christmas a gift. lifetime thing, yeah, so I don't like to be too kind of promotional and advertising, but I'm just trying to find different ways that we can all come together and use whatever talents and opportunities we have to you know, share, spread, spread a little goodness.
2: Spread a little goodness. I'm going to finish with uh, one of my favorite quotes from you, where you say, once you fall in love with this planet, it gives you the courage to go out and make a difference. I love that so much. And uh, I can't thank you enough for for coming and chatting with us today. And, um, you know, you're so inspiring and, um, you know, thank you for everything you do for the community and, you know, the, the world at large. It's It's amazing.
3: Oh, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. And, you know, I forgot to answer the second half of your question. What can everybody be doing? Mm. I just want to respond to that really quickly. I know how overwhelming it feels. And honestly, some of these initiatives come from a deep sense of despair. There are days where I just like, I don't want to get out of bed. It just, you know, I I just, it feels overwhelming. We've got the pandemic. I'm here in the United States. We have these elections that won't end, you know, just things that, <laughs> uh, you know, cause you despair and fear. And I would say, you know, it's okay to feel that. But don't let it suffocate you and paralyze you. Use it to energize you. Because yes, the thing is, I want everybody to know I came from a place of being painfully shy, awkward, afraid of the world. And I realized that we all have such a beautiful, unique voice. And the thing is, we all just have to get out and use our voice in small ways the smaller ways are the ones that impact the most people because the truth is you know you're the messenger to the people in your life not me not anybody else on the new you know that it's it's our friends and our family that we impact so knowing that and getting out and being a voice for the planet and for the wonder of this world matters more than we often realize So thank you.
2: Brilliant. Thank you so much, Amy. It's been amazing chatting with you.
3: Oh, it's been amazing chatting with you. Thank you.
2: (laughs) This podcast is brought to you by the Gold Community. If you're wondering what it's like to be a member of the Gold Community over at GinaMilitia.com, I asked Mickey Johns why she joined
4: before joining the gold community i was still really timid i wasn't game enough to put myself out there when i spoke to you and after joining the community and seeing how much people actually put themselves out there and ask for feedback and and they want that critique so that they can improve themselves it gave me that confidence boost to go you know what it's not a bad thing to have people say negative stuff about your work because otherwise you're not going to know what you need to fix you're going to just continue to do the same thing and, and you're never going to improve it. The the community itself is so open and so like inclusive and some people just sit there and they go I love your work but then other people go you know what you could do this or, or maybe you could try that next time and I found that really really helpful. But I also love um, your Ask Me Anything because you go through and you actually You personalize the feedback. I'm putting myself out there to ask a question on how to improve that. The way that you go into detail to explain what you're talking about. It's just it's really good. And I found that really, really helpful. That's probably my favorite part. I would just tell them to jump on it, like just get on there. Just you're never going to know something if you like something um, unless you experience it yourself. Trust me, when you go and put yourself out there and you join a community and you have that sense of belonging somewhere, it's just it's next level. You you can't beat it at all.
2: If you'd like to find out more about the gold community, just go to GinaMalitia.com and click on Join the Community.
1: There we go. Amy Vitale, such interesting stuff that she gets up yeah. to. I mean, How incredible. How inspiring. Very inspiring. Now, if you're interested in having a look at Prince for Nature, which is what Amy is involved in, uh, you can have a look at some of the best photography from some of the world's best photographers who care about the environment and wildlife. Um, and when you buy from Prince for Nature, it supports some fantastic conservation work. So just go to Prince for Nature com. We'll also put the link in the show notes. But when you have a look at some of the images here, they're absolutely incredible. Majestic, awe-inspiring, uh, jaw-dropping, gorgeous, you know, images of uh, wildlife families, um, plus landscapes as well. It is. Absolutely it's amazing. Brilliant. And I think
2: that's a great, like, we're coming up to the Christmas holiday period, if you're not sure what to get that that person in your life get them something like that's the gift that keeps on giving mm. you're a big fan of doing that like you buy from charities like uh i've done that too Ooh. over the years like you can buy there are uh, which, which is the, the oh there's heaps of different charities like you can buy a well for a village uh yeah. you can buy chickens you can buy goats and i've done that it's really satisfying because it's like there's some people that just that they don't need the gift. Like they've, they've, there's enough, and it's like it's lovely to give a gift uh, that's going to help other um, other people, uh, you know, less less fortunate.
1: Absolutely. All right. So what
2: are you doing in the coming week, Gina? Uh, Just continuing on to get out and about, Val. There's lots of people to catch up with. Mm. There's lots of things to do. I've got to make up for uh, 15 weeks of lost time. And it's just been slowly uh, reconnecting with friends. And it's like, it's different when they're in front of you, Val. It's different. (laughs) It's so nice. And even me, the introvert is like, I know it was too much because I'm like, oh, I miss all these people. I miss talking to people and um eating with people and being in restaurants so more of that Val which I'm really excited about what about you sounds great
1: what am I doing I've got um I'm challenging myself to design 10 patterns in 14 days
2: right so how why is it 10 not 10 in 10 days why is it 10 in 14 Oh, because sometimes, you know, you need, life gets yeah, a okay, bit stressful. Okay, right, 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 right. So this is like you did Whether
1: or not you did 100 patterns. I did the 100-day project. Yep. I didn't I didn't finish, but you got so a I didn't heap, do 100 you patterns. You got a heap done. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I because I think 100 is too overwhelming. Yes. And this is just like a personal project that you can do with your photography as well, is to find something that you're interested in and to do it for a certain period of time. Yep. So the problem with the hundred day thing is it's a little bit too long. So that's why I've decided on ten designs in fourteen days. And the big thing that I think that is really important is that I am going to create them even if they are caca. Oh, you're put out. You're gonna put, gonna put them
2: out. You're gonna put them out. No.
1: Well, does it, I may or may not put them out, but I'm going to create them because the, I mean, I mean I'm mean, i going to finish them yes. because the thing that stops many creatives is that you think it's got to be amazing no. or you think it's got to be perfect and therefore you keep working on it, keep working on it and you never kind of get it done. Um, so what I'm going to do is make sure that I get it done, even if I think it's caca and it may or may not yes. be caca, you know what I mean? But um, that's the key factor. Do it even if you think it might be caca. Yeah, and push through just for the practice. Yeah, yeah because it's through. like
2: that shot that 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 image that you've created, even though it might not be the one, there is something. There might be, and this has happened to me. Uh, you know, when developing a style, it's like I might not get it right in that image, but I see a spark. There is a spark of something yes. that you go, oh. Okay, this didn't work, but hang on a minute. Mm. In mm. I've discovered this little gem here, and how about I yeah. expand on that? And it's like, you know, uh, the, the best advice about writing is, you know, just sit your bum down and write. And then, you know, yeah. set, set yourself a limit to write 500 words in a day or 1,000 words in a day. Get mm. the cucker out first. So you've got to, like, sometimes just clear the pipes, I guess. <laughs> get the get, <laughs> Get the rubbish out first. And then, yeah. um, you know, it's like there is this this, this notion that, uh, oh, my God, as artists we need to wait for the muse to appear. Mm. Well, we know that um, – I'm trying to think of um, – there, there is a famous singer someone please remind me because my brain doesn't work anymore that the muse <laughs> he was driving along in stuck in traffic and the mute and suddenly mm. this song comes into his head and, and he looks up and he's like now now you come and tell me and you see that all the time mm. like I love watching um, shows about the life history of like certain singers and how they the, the tune will just and they like mm. oh, oh quick give me paper and, and you write it down comedian do that we all do that mm. but sometimes you know if you're waiting for that moment of inspiration it's it doesn't always come but just doing the work right. doing the work and being consistent and being disciplined mm. and not um letting go of the outcome which i guess is what you're saying with it doesn't matter if it's cut. Yes. i'm just kidding. so mm. it's about the process it, uh, it's about the journey not the destination Mm, yeah, absolutely fantastic. That's brilliant. Yes. Can't wait to see it. And then we'll continue with um, developing our um, concert. That's probably going to now become a world tour of our. Because I'm thinking <laughs> like we were just doing this at only the Sydney Opera House, small small let's dream big (gasps) Val let's dream big we're gonna do a world tour you know how um at the start Mm -hmm. of the year uh Andrea Uh Bocelli sang outside the Duomo in Milan he sang Ave Maria yeah we're doing that that's what I'm aiming for (laughs) we're gonna sing Ave Maria no no, gonna learn to play Mm -hmm. it on the recorder Oh, and okay. you'll be back in play with the cello. the cello. And I've just okay. like, it just, there'll be, it'll be empty. We'll get the city cleared for this. <laughs> we'll get a permit. But I want rose petals oh, floating yes. around us, like just dropping from the sky. And I want that filmed yeah. at a sort of a slower frame rate. So that'll be in yes. slow mo. And then what maybe, do I, I don't know, because, you know, it's us and I don't want him to, but. Maybe Andre can come and sing with us, accompany us. He, uh, yes. but he's not getting top billing. No. And we need no. to discuss who's going, like, is it Gina Militia and Valerie Ku? Oh, yeah. We, right. We've got to sort well, all that out. We so we'll get our like, management onto that. Or we're yes. both on the same line, Val. But who goes, yes, I put you yes. first. I, I'm big enough to well, do that. Well, you know what?
1: Too- I, have, we, I, I have progressed because um, my teacher, um, she she took back Twinkle, Twinkle, mm. the the sheet music for Twinkle, mm. Twinkle. She said, you know that now. Oh, you I'm taking that one it. back. So what are you on now? What are you up to?
2: Mm. Uh,
1: there's quite a few, yeah. you know. Um, are we doing Twinkle, what- Twinkle
2: in the um, world tour?
1: I think maybe not. No, okay. Um, yes, but there's quite a few. Um, uh, there's Ode to Joy. Yeah. There's the the theme from Swan Lake. Uh-huh. Um, we are doing sp- Spring and Summer from the Four Seasons. Oh, beautiful. Um,
2: uh, I don't know. Anyway, are you doing any Bon Jovi that's... on the cello?
1: I'm going to Living but on not a yet. Prayer. I'm not sure which ones are sort of cello-friendly. Yeah, fair
2: enough. Mm. We'll work it out.
1: Anyway, <laughs> thanks for listening, everybody, all the way to the end.
2: <laughs> Where do we find you online, Gina? You can find me at ginamilitia.com. It's G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A. I'm at Gina Militia on all social media. World tour will be announced soon. <laughs> Cello and violin. No, sorry, I'm not playing the violin. Recorder. Recorder. And if you want to take your photography to the next level, I'd love to work with you. Check out the Gold community. Just go to GinaMalish.com and click on Join the Community. What about you, Val?
1: You'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram and over at ValerieKoo.com. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next
2: time. Thanks, guys.
0: Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer.